Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1 today. Luke chapter 1. And rise as we read God's holy word. From Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 46 through 55. You can read along with me. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has set the rich away empty. He has helped the servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, just as He promised our ancestors. This is the holy word of God. May you have your ears to hear it. May God's blessing be added to it. Please have a seat. My life, I've only I've had the misfortune of being roped into just two baby showers. I think there should be a law that guys are always exempt from baby showers because there are weird and disturbing things that happen at those that no man should ever be privy to. But during the, my time at those showers, I learned that there are certain things you never say to pregnant women. So I, I wrote down a list to remind myself not to step in some of these pitfalls. You don't say to a a pregnant woman, don't you miss drinking? Don't you miss coffee? You never say to a pregnant woman, I would never bring a child into this messed up world. I've heard that a few times. You never say, this is one of my favorites, you never say, I understand what you're going through. Why, when I adopted my kitten... Nothing after that. Yeah, just let it go. I wish I had an excuse to eat as much as you do. And and here's one. Just if if you have a pregnant friend, just try this out on them. See the reaction. Say, well, you know what? Elephants are pregnant for 22 months. So you get off pretty easy. Things you don't say to pregnant women. But if I was ever, if I ever had to go to a third baby shower, I'm not asking you to invite me, please. Um... (laughs) If I ever had to go to a third, I'll tell you exactly the one I would want to attend. And that would have been this spontaneous celebration between Mary and Elizabeth. They didn't plan it. They didn't know a baby shower was going to happen. Mary came to visit Elizabeth, both of them pregnant. And as they come together, suddenly the joy of God fills the room. And three things happen in quick succession. First, the baby John leaps in his mother's womb leaps in the the recognition of the Savior that's near. Second is Elizabeth, as we looked at last Christmas, utters this loud prophetic cry. And then, to top it all off, Mary, this teenage girl, starts singing. This one of the most incredible songs in all of the Bible. And this is what we call the Magnificat. Mary's song, a mighty thunderclap of praise that just crashes through the life of this young woman. 
the Holy Spirit leads Mary in singing this song of wonder. And I can just imagine as she's singing it, she's twirling about in praise, holding her hands up. She's proclaiming the joy of Christmas. And she knows that that joy has come from her Heavenly Father. I think we could all use some joy in our life right now. We might create, try to create some joy around this holiday season. We might decorate our, our houses. We might go around listening to Christmas music. We might throw parties. But all of that is fleeting. It's temporary. It's going to be gone in Jan- No spoilers there, but it'll be gone in January. But the real joy, the joy that Mary discovered right here is a joy that is forever lasting, that is filling, and that is ours for the taking. So I want to share that with you today, that you can have a joy that lasts forever, that comes from God, and you can have it in three practical ways. Well, you know how somebody's always, you can always tell when somebody's in a really good mood. I can tell when Mike's in a really good mood, when he comes in and he's just humming. You know, you ever meet somebody just humming, or they're singing, or they're whistling, and they don't know they're doing it because they're just so happy? You're like, dude, you either fell in love or you just got a Frappuccino from Starbucks. I don't know which one, but you're really happy. Sometimes those people are very annoying to be around. But at the same time, you're, like, you're smiling because you're, just, you're happy somebody's happy. Because music tends to be an expression of our happiness. Sometimes when we get older, we kind of we go, well, that's something for kids to do. But I sometimes catch my kids just going around, and they're just humming. And I say, why are you singing? They're just, I don't know. I'm just happy. Like, we should all do that. That's what Mary's doing here. And I have to ask this question, why is she this happy? Why is she so happy that she bursts out into this song? Is it just because she's pregnant? Just because she's going to have a baby? Is it that? No. Mary actually gives us the real reason. It goes beyond being pregnant. But first of all, we call Mary's song here the Magnificat. That's, that's your fancy word. That's your Catholic word right of the day. Because Magnificat is the Latin word, the first Latin word of this song. So if you crack open a Latin version of the Bible, you're going to see the word Magnificat. So as Mary begins singing, she sings this. She says, my soul glorifies, or my soul magnifies the Lord. That is where her joy comes from. What she's saying isn't that suddenly God's become bigger. God's already as big as God's ever going to get. And that's incredibly big. But Mary is saying for her, relationally, God has suddenly become huge to her. Just jumped ahead in, in terms of her faith, her trust, her passion, her priorities. God's grown. You've seen that old Grinch cartoon? From, I love watching that every Christmas. My college back in the day, the day before finals, We'd all blow off studying, and they would have a night where we, they'd call everybody together. We'd watch the Grinch cartoon and eat donuts. That was always the two things. And you remember that part of the Grinch cartoon where he's going around, and they always look inside his chest, and his heart is just really small. But when he finds joy, what happens? It becomes three sizes you know, bigger. And I always got very, very concerned about the Grinch because that is not healthy. That is not right. He needs to go see a cardiac specialist. Something's wrong there. But for Mary, it's kind of the same thing where suddenly God has become three sizes bigger for her. And when that happens, the only natural response is to praise God. 
However you want to do it. Song, great. Write a poem, great. But you're going to praise God that God's become magnified in your life. He's become bigger. I want to take a little diversion here because I find verse 47 to be very interesting. If you've grown up knowing Catholics or you've grown up in that, um, that church environment, this verse right here contradicts one of the key teachings of the Catholic Church. Catholics tend to uh, teach something called Immaculate Conception. And that is that Mary was born sinless and grew up sinless. She lived a sinless life. And they, they teach that because there's no way a sinful person could give birth to Jesus. So they're kind of working backwards in their theology. But I always work forwards. I believe the Bible tells us to look at the verse and develop the doctrine from there. And in verse 47, look at what Mary, how Mary describes Jesus, how she describes God, my Savior. A sinless person does not describe God as their Savior. A sinful person does that because she is glowing. She is excited that my Savior is right here. He is growing inside of me. My Savior saving me from the sins that I repent from. We find a deep joy Go pick a fight with one of your Catholic friends this week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But I'm just pointing out that even Mary needed to be saved, and she found a joy in that. We find a deep joy when we magnify God in our lives, in our thoughts, in our actions. It's one reason why we come together to worship God. One voice singing by itself can be wonderful. Not mine, but other voices can be wonderful. But when you get a lot of voices together, when you get a choir together, when you get a crowd singing, it becomes magnified. It becomes something tremendously more. It's what God wants us to experience, the magnification of Him. So we experience that through our corporate worship. We experience that when we worship God with our whole body. David, David often would just magnify God in his singing. Psalm 108, he says, I will sing, I will make melody, with my whole being. That's how much I want to sing to God right now. And Mary is doing that right now here. She is singing to God. She's making a melody with her whole being. She just she doesn't care who hears it. She's probably not even aware that Elizabeth is standing right there. She's just singing at the top of her lungs, magnifying God in her life. And as a result, there's like this feedback wave of joy that crashes back over her. We too have an opportunity for joy when we magnify God. We magnify God by meditating, by thinking about Him, by spending time in His Word, by spending time in worship, by talking to Him. Things we talk about every week, but this, these are ways to grow God in you. And as God becomes bigger to you, you find more and more joy in God. It's the same joy Mary had. Magnify God in your life. Now, have you ever had moments of deja vu when you read something and you think, I've read this before. There's something about this I've read. Maybe I've read this book before. Am I going senile? I don't think I am, but I'm talking to myself, so something's wrong. I don't know. So you're reading something and you go, I, I think I've read this before. And I was getting that same feeling reading Mary's song here. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've read this song before. And it turns out I'm not the first person who's made this connection that Mary's song here has an eerie similarity to the song of another pregnant woman in the Bible who's grateful to God, and that is Hannah. Hannah in 1 
Samuel 2, as I'm sure you've gone through downstairs as they've recently been going through uh, First and Second Samuel. Hannah, who is blessed by God, is just overwhelmed that God has noticed her and she comes out with a song of praise and amazement. And Mary has that same, it's, it's eerie. Read both of these hymns, of these songs of praise and compare what they're saying. And a lot of it's the same. That they're just so excited, both of them, that God noticed them. That God's eye is upon them. Mary is astounded that out of the millions of people in her world, that God happened to notice her. And not just notice her, but he knows her inside and out. He knows the state of her. He knows her intimately. I think Mary, like the rest of us, kind of assume that God's got so many people to cover that he could, if he has time for us, it's like a split second before he's got to move on and he's got to move on and he's got to move on. But that is forgetting that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. And that is God right now is with a teenage Mary from his viewpoint. He is also with us. And he knows us. His eye is upon us. He loves you. He knows you. He is with you. And that's something that I think when we realize that, it just stuns us to the core of our being. My God knows me. He's looking at me. And he is blessing me. Mary's astounded in this moment that God's blessing her. She's a teenage nobody. She's just a girl. She's just a girl in the society nobody would look at twice. And yet God is blessing her with this privilege of being the, the mother of Jesus, with the, being able to, to be known forever after for generations to come because of her faith in God, her obedience in God. I was thinking what a blessing it would be to raise Jesus to see your features in his face. Mary is the only person throughout all of history who is able to say that. I saw myself in him. I saw myself. Mary is blessed because as Jesus grows up, she's there for all these super important moments of his life. She's there for his birth. We know that she's there for his first miracle. We know that she was there when he was being crucified on the cross. We know that she was there when he was resurrected. Mary is there for all that. You want to talk to one person who is there for all these important things, you go to this teenage girl who grew up to be a wonderful woman, who was blessed that her words, her inspired words, became words of Scripture that we study, that her song, a song of a teenage girl, is one we hold up as one of the most beautifully written songs in all of the Bible. We study it 2,000 years later. Mary found surprising joy in being noticed and being blessed by God, but she's by far not the only one who can enjoy that blessing. The Bible tells us that Christians are noticed and blessed by God too. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, it says that blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. That's us. We are blessed and we are holy because we share in that. You're blessed because God notices you today. You're not, you think nobody saw you coming today? Well, my glasses are not. Maybe I didn't see you clearly. But God saw you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what you're going through. He wants to bless you. He loves you deeply. Our joy comes from understanding that God is just as mindful of us as he was of Mary. And see Mary's reaction here when she realizes that? 
God is mindful of us. Don't give in to the lies that you might tell yourself, I'm a nobody. I made too many mistakes. I pushed God away. There's no way He could love me right now. He is mindful of you. And He adores you. Probably the biggest revelation I had, however, when I was studying through the Magnificat, something I never noticed before. It's a great thing about the Bible. You could reread these passages and you keep seeing things you never noticed before. And something I noticed here is that in this moment, in this song, Mary becomes a prophet. Now, there are two types of prophets in the Bible. There are the prophets that are called to a lifelong service. And that's when we tend to think of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Elijah. But sometimes God, through the Holy Spirit, will come upon the life of a believer and in a moment give them a prophecy to share and then withdraw after that. And that's what's happening to Mary. In this song right here, she is uttering prophecy. What God's doing in verses 50 through 55 is something really incredible. God is basically taking Mary out of history and saying, Mary, I want to show you things from my perspective. It's called prophetic past tense, where, God's giving, where the prophet is giving a prophecy as if it's already happened, even though it's yet to happen. I know, that just that confused you. But what's happening is God's taking Mary to the end of time, to his perspective, says, Mary, I want to show you something. I want to show you how I've accomplished all of this. How everything I've promised has come to pass. How everything I've given that I'm working throughout all of history is culminated. And I want to show you this from, your, from my perspective. So as Mary's singing here, she's singing of this, this future that has already come true, that she knows will come true. And she's rejoicing from it. And what is she seeing here? Why is she rejoicing? Well, first thing she's rejoicing about, she's rejoicing that God is finally bringing low these arrogant, horrible rulers throughout all of human history. These kings who have oppressed people, who have killed righteous people. The the pharaohs, the Hitlers, the Napoleons, the Caligulas, the Ivan the Terrible, the King Herods. That God has seen the arrogance in their heart, the way that they've abused the office of the state that he gave them. And God has finally brought them low. Mary is rejoicing because she sees how temporary their reign was. She maybe is thinking, being mindful of King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, who one day is strutting around drunk on his own glory, who's praising himself. We read about this. Nebuchadnezzar is just like, I am the best that there ever was. I am wonderful. I am a god. And the next day, he's stricken with a disease that makes him crawl on his hands and knees and take mouthful, handfuls of grass and start chewing on the grass like an animal as his brain wastes away. God brings low the arrogant rulers of the world who abuse. And Mary rejoices in that, not because she's being sinister here. This is not revenge. She is rejoicing because God brings justice into unjust situations. And that is joyful. You can also, she's also joyful because she sees God reversing social oppression. She sees God lifting up the humble and pushing down the proud. She sees that the meek, rather than the arrogant, inherit the kingdom. She sees how that culminates 
And she's just rejoicing because of it. It's revealed to her that as God reverses the temporary success of evil, yes, evil can have success, but it is only for a time, that as she sees this, that she sees at the end of history, how as Philippians 2 says, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. She sees that, that God placed Jesus as king. That is the right order of things. Not that horrible rulers rule, not that people oppress, people are powerful, oppress the weak, but that Jesus Christ is king and that he lifts up the meek, he lifts up the poor in spirit, and he draws his children to him. She also sees how God satisfies the spiritual needs, the hunger, the thirst they have for God. That we are all, as sinners, have this God-shaped hole in our heart. And it is only filled with Him. As Jesus says in the Gospel of John, whoever drinks the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. You won't be unsatisfied with God in your life. You will find that hole filled. And finally, Mary sees that the Lord can and will and has fulfilled the covenant. The covenant that God gave to Abraham, God gave to Moses, God gave to David, the covenant of a promise of a king, of a kingdom, of a future, of a savior. That God fulfilled his word. And Mary rejoices for that. Even though time-wise, Mary is at the beginning of Jesus's life, the incarnate Jesus's life here. She sees how it ends. She gets the spoiler. She finds out how the movie ends, and she's just rejoicing for that. She says, God, you fulfilled your covenant. You didn't forget your promise. You fulfilled it to a T. Brothers and sisters, when God reveals how he works in our lives, the only response we can ever have is one of praise and one of rejoicing. We will never look at God, how he's done things, if he reveals it to us in part here or reveals it to us in full in heaven. We will never look at God and say, well, God, you didn't do enough. God, I would have done it a little bit better. I think you kind of dropped the ball here. We will never say that. We will look at what God has done, and we will say, God, it was good. It was good. It was right. It was just. Praise you. That's our response. Everything God did was good. Mary had a joy through a prophetic vision. And you might think, well, hey, tonight God gave me a vision of how everything was going to pan out and all of human history showed me the end of things. I might rejoice too. That's good for Mary, but what about for me? Brothers and sisters, you have that. Some of you have it right in your lap right now. That God has poured his vision, God has poured his promises into this book to share with you so that you can have that same joy, the same assurance of what God is doing in human history and where he's taking us all. That's the same assurance and joy that Mary got. We can also find joy in seeing the small and big ways that God is working in our lives and in the lives around us day by day. I kind of call these God sightings. Just those little moments where you go, oh, God, I see how you did that. I see how you led that person to, to give that encouragement or how you worked through this weird situation and suddenly, yeah, now it makes sense. How you're working through these people's lives. How you're using me to impact others. Sometimes we don't see it or we won't see it until heaven. 
But occasionally, God gives us a glimpse. God shows you not just how, but why. He helps you understand so that your faith and your trust in Him is increased. And that's why you always need to be looking out for those God sightings in your life. Where is God moving? And the more you look for God, the more you're going to see He is just so busy. He is so active in the world around us. And the more we see Him, the more we praise Him, the more we find joy. Mary had her life upended by a surprise pregnancy she didn't ask for. But one day, she's pregnant. She's pregnant with the most important person who ever lived. And she finds, instead of being disgruntled, instead of complaining about it, instead of going, oh, my back aches, and this is, I didn't ask for this, and Joseph is giving me a bit of a side eye here. None of that. She's finding nothing but joy in her life. Joy that is ours for the taking. As we magnify God in our life, as we see that God notices us, and as we watch how God works through all of history, that's how we grab onto the same joy that Mary had. That's the kind of joy that will last long beyond this Christmas season. It will outlast even those few extra pounds you guys are going to put on this week as you eat those cookies. This joy is ours for the taking, and it will last forever. Let's grab it this week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want this joy. I want to be filled with the joy of you, a joy that is so deep and so great that makes me want to sing. Lord, I pray for us this week, even as we struggle through things, we can, the Bible tells us we can still have joy. We can have joy knowing that our salvation is assured, knowing that we have a God who sees us, and instead of despising us for our rebellion, you love us, Lord. You died for us. You care about us. You know us as intimately as you knew Mary. Lord, I pray for your joy to come into our lives this week, that we may be joyful, we may reach up with our praise, we may magnify you in our life through so many things. Lord, thank you for the joy of this Christmas season. Please let it be more and more as every day goes along in your name.